the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 1220. So call in, we'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Welcome in, I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. I do appreciate it. Uh, market direction, first two months of the year, lower, third month, higher, last week, lower. The question is, have we run out of steam? That's always, trust me, there's going to be commentary no matter what happens when you decide that you want to invest. Some of it you'll go, mm, that's not exactly fair. Some of it you'll go, yeah, I get it. I get the the need to justify this. I, I get the need to try to figure this out a little bit better. Um, some stories out there today. Anbog raises offer for Starwoods to $13.9 billion. Um, that's starting to get pricey. Home equity credit lines rose 20% in 2015. That makes me a little bit nervous. Although I like using your credit line, most people use the credit line for stupid things like cars and vacations. Personal income growth slowed, spending bumped up. Um, 2016 is a year where 2015, we saw oil fall. 2016, we're really watching to see where oil goes because a lot of people just want to keep it really simple um, and say, hey, if oil's going higher, that means there's demand in the world. That means demand equals making things and paychecks. and That's a good thing. A lot of people oversimplify a little bit sometimes to a fault. Um, Avon is escaping a board makeover. They've cut deals with the hedge funds on, you know, who they can get inside the company and who they can't as fast as they can. Some other stories out there, Time Warner's, Time Warner's, Warner Brothers, <laughs> uh, Time Warner's publicly traded stock. They have a big hit with Batman versus Superman. It's the fourth biggest global opening ever, and the reviews of it are just horrifically bad. Um, but... The reviews didn't hit before the weekend hit, and also some parents just want to take their kids to, you know, their childhood. California's likely going to raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour. I can't wait to see how that plays out with negative ramifications, because we love the positive ramifications. 
but there's always two sides to it. I know a lot of restaurants that will say, you know what, I'll never hire a teenager ever, never, ever, because I could hire someone who's 35 years old who's you know not going to steal from me, who's going to show up to work and not be you know forlorn, love struck. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Pandora's founders coming back as CEO. That's typically viewed as a, a, a desperate, last-ditch thing. That's not good. It's good that you get someone who cares about the company. It's bad in the sense that once you felt comfortable enough to step away and turn it over to professional management, it didn't quite work out that way. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton for a quick financial planning segment. Let's welcome in CFP Chad Burton to talk estate planning tips, hints, and tricks. Mr. Burton, what do we need to know? Well, first of all, um, you have to realize that in December of 2012, there was a massive overhaul to the estate tax laws and how much we can all pass on to our heirs. So if you have not reviewed your will or your trust since then, you're likely causing higher capital gains tax to your heirs. Because a lot of times what happened, Rob, in, in the past, it was you know, varying amounts, but in order for the first person to die, to keep the ability to pass on money to their heirs tax-free, their half of an estate in a married couple had to go into what's called a bypass or a credit shelter trust in order to save that credit for estate taxes. And you don't have to do that anymore. Not only do you not have to do that anymore, uh, the amount that we can pass on is over $5.4 million per person. So you have to really review it because if what happens is when the money goes into that bypass or credit shelter trust... It saves a ton of estate taxes, but whatever's in there, when the heirs, when your kids, grandkids, when they finally receive that, they don't get a step up in basis. And whatever they have to sell, whether it's real estate or stocks, they pay capital gains on that. And so by not having to do that, you, you, you don't need to have that trust anymore in most situations, unless you're well over you know, 11 million really as a couple. So long story short, you have to review this because you might have documents that force the funding of this trust that force your heirs to pay more capital gains taxes. Now, you still have to realize that, okay, let's say you're 50 years old, you pass away. And yeah, it sounds great to have everything go to your spouse, but your spouse is likely going to remarry if you pass away young, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's something that everybody needs to think about. People need partners in life. And so... What happens then is that what if, you know, they get married, uh, they don't do their estate plan, and then basically your half becomes the half of the new spouse. You've done nothing to protect your share for your children because that second marriage is likely a blended family. And then if your spouse passes away and all goes to his family, your kids could get cut out of the picture. So you have to think ahead. You have to think into the future. And there's, so there's different trusts that you might need to set up now. Um, so... You know, it might cost you some money to go in and, and redo those documents or, or amend them, but you're talking about saving a lot of money for taxes for your heirs and a lot of grief uh, for your kids and your grandkids. How often should you hit an attorney for a review? Um, at least every two years. Um, if you have a good certified financial planner that you're working with, that's part of the review process as well. Um, so at least every two years or, or when there is major changes in the estate tax law or there's major change in your family, either a kid's married or remarried or you get married or remarried or there's something going on in your family where, you know, you got a special needs child or one kid that you know is just horrible with money. 
Whenever there's a life change, you need to review your overall financial plan, including your estate plan, and review what it says. Most of those documents are really hard for the average person to read, and good good attorneys, good planners can put it into a flowchart form. So you can say, okay, here's here's everything you own, and here's who it goes to in a flowchart. And um, so you can kind of take this legalese and, and put it into more of a visual diagram for your estate planning. And, you know, I look at the estate tax, Rob. It's almost a voluntary tax. There's so many things that you can do in terms of types of trusts, gifting, charitable remainder trusts, um, 529 plans for your grandkids, grats, things like that. There's a lot of things that you can do to um, not have to pay that estate tax. And really, the estate tax issue is now an issue for people, married couples over 11 million or single people, you know, over five. Good stuff. It's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him online at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. And I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. The Oculus Rift is now for sale. The review's pretty good. Um, I'm going to hold comment because I really don't know. And virtual reality and artificial intelligence are big buzzwords. Autonomous driving cars, big buzzwords. And a lot of tech companies in the Bay Area are throwing big dollars at those three phrases, those three concepts. Um, yeah, virtual reality is going to be awesome. How soon till it's there? Same thing with autonomous cars. We keep hearing about 2020, where your car will be able to drive itself. But then we hear California DMV say, we want the car to still have a steering wheel, brakes, and accelerator. And Google's like, nah, that's not what we really want. So Google has to go to Congress. So sometimes these things play out with a little bit of hit and miss. And what stinks to you is if the economy goes bad and you're an investor in these kind of concepts, uh, if the economy goes bad for a quarter, two quarters, three quarters a year, it can create massive losses as you know the money dries up and we wait for the economy to pick back up to support business activity like this. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. California legislators and labor unions have made a deal to raise the minimum wage to 15 bucks an hour. The wage will reportedly ramp up over the next several years, going from 10 bucks to 10.50 in 2017, 11 dollars an hour in 2018, a dollar more every year until 2022. Landing at 15 bucks an hour. Minimum wage. This is pretty big news because California is, in many ways, a nation unto itself. We've got 39 million people. It's the most populous state in the union. Of roughly, let's say, 300 million. It's got a gross statewide product that would make it the eighth largest economy on earth if it were its own country, just behind Brazil. 
obviously the wage is going to affect millions of people in California. It's probably going to push the issue further into the presidential race for Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton. This comes after the Canadian province of Ontario announced an experiment with basic income as well. It's going to be interesting to see, obviously, on one hand, that's great news. People making more money. But how will corporations respond? I work in TV and radio. And I can tell you that a lot of the basic function jobs all have disappeared. (coughs) I don't even have a cough button. That's how cheap we are. (laughs) Um, So last week or the week before in television, we lost some people whose jobs were kind of not terribly important, but kind of important, but they were livable wages. They had careers. We lost some people who, you know, made sure that commercials were put into the system and that they fired correctly. And all of that business now is going to Indiana. So the company that I work for probably has 60 television stations, 100 radio stations, billboard business, and they're just shifting the way things run. And obviously an employee in Indiana can have a livable wage much cheaper than an employee in California. Now... How will it hit fast food? Because a lot of times when you hear about the $15 livable wage mandate, you go start thinking about it. It's You see a lot of people from fast food companies. And, you know, the argument on one hand is, you know, sure, McDonald's makes billions of dollars, but not the franchisees. So the franchisees are the ones who would have to pay. And is there a way for McDonald's to chip in? I don't know. Maybe lowering franchise fees costs? Um, on a state-by-state level, based on, you know, who's going to suffer more. You could start getting into stories like that and theories like that. But what's going to be interesting is to see how, you know, does McDonald's say, you know what, franchisees, we're going to set up a thing for, uh, we're going to set up kiosks. We're going to replace the the person who stands and takes orders, and we're just going to do kiosks both through drive through and in-store, get people used to it. You know, there was a day and age where there were no self-checkout lanes at Home Depot and at Safeway, but now they're pretty, they're, they're there. They certainly haven't put the person behind the register out of a career, but they've cut down on the number of careers that are tied towards that, which a lot of times those are union jobs. So um, they get a pretty good wage, or they've, in theory, been negotiated a better wage through their unions. So... I'll be interested to see the ramifications. And, you know, again, that's one of the things that we don't have the the luxury of foresight. We don't know how things play out. And, you know, I told you a couple, I've got a couple of friends who own Five Guys uh, franchises and some other fast food franchises. And they skirt with law as much as they can. Not with law. They, They skirt with what they can and can't do with employees and even, you know, I've seen scenarios where you're told to clock out at X amount of hours because we don't want, you know, another cycle of higher pay or overtime or something to kick in on you. And that's not ideal. Um, Because the the rules aren't meant to be micromanaged, but they will be micromanaged. 
I get the good intent of $15 an hour, but it's going to be interesting to see. And uh, does that mean you and I will be paying? Will the dollar menu become the $2 menu? Will the $2 menu become the $4 menu? Will the $4 menu become the $8 menu? It likely does mean that. Um, if you've ever been into a fast food joint, per se, sometimes you'll see employees just standing around doing nothing. $15 an hour, if you're a franchisee, that's going to kill you. Now, elsewhere in our economy, we did see personal income and spending rose more than expected in February. And savings rates also went higher. Um, all in all, it's a pretty good report. Higher savings rate, less consumption, boo. Weaker pricing, that's bad for the, the uh, profits of corporations. And consensus that we're, you know, kind of in a weak environment. The fourth quarter had a weak quarter. A lack of momentum in domestic spending. It's going to start raising questions for policymakers and some support for the Fed to do nothing in April and June. Again, on one hand, you love the consumer saving money and managing debt so they don't get in over their head. On the other hand, you're like, you know, we can't have these workers at fast food places and clothing stores standing around doing nothing. Otherwise, we're going to have to trim, trim, trim. Then the unemployment rate starts to go the other way. Elsewhere out there today, pending home sales jumped to a seven-month high, up 3.5% in February. This is good news for people who are in the real estate business. Uh, there's not a lot of inventory. Year-over-year pending home sales were up 7 tenths of a percent. It's the 18th straight month in which the index has been higher compared with a year ago. But the February gain is the smallest of the streak. So there's a little bit of weakness in this. In February, buyers were probably lured by mortgage rates dipping to their lowest level in nearly a year. The market needs, the real estate market needs more supply, and there's just not a lot of it. And there's a lot of people standing around going, you know, we're not paying a salary until we get commissions. Try this Angbang insurance company. They've raised their offer for Starwood hotels and resorts to almost $14 billion. Um, it's a bidding war for real estate. It's a bidding war for hotel real estate, room real estate. So Marriott's ambition to create the world's largest lodging company with about 5,700 hotels is Marriott put in an offer, Anbang put in an offer. Marriott put in a higher offer, Anbang put in a higher offer. At some point in time, it doesn't make sense. You can only bleed so much blood from a stone in savings. Um, I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money investing and more you can find me online at robblackshow.com it's robblackshow.com um, so we'll watch you know does china's ongbong and does that bother you that a chinese company that you probably have never heard of is suddenly buying you know american hotels doesn't bother me i get it i'm rob black talking all things financial find me at rob black show twitter rob black show youtube rob black show Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. 
Yahoo could be bought by a combination of Microsoft and private equity firms, according to Reuters. If talks between the company and those firms pan out. However, the discussions are considered very preliminary. Apple, Apple is expanding its original video content for its Apple TV product with the first show of an unscripted program about apps. Is that their first step into doing a TV show similar to what Netflix and Amazon does? Elsewhere out there, Avon named FedEx executive Kathy Ross to its board of directors, part of a deal that will help it avoid a proxy fight with activist investors. EMC, once a very big uh, player in technology, as far as stocks go, um, Dell announced its deal to sell its information technology consulting unit to Japan's NTT data for $3 billion. That's going to help scale down some of its debt it's going to incur over the pending purchase of the data storage product company. So that's privately held. Uh, you know, Dell and EMC trying to get together and trying to figure out what do we save, what do we keep of this big behemoth company. And UBS, they began coverage of Berkshire Class A shares with a buy rating and a target price of 244500 If you can't afford the A shares, consider the B shares. In an uncertain market and economic environment, that plays to his strengths. He's a, a guy who does a lot of good acquisitions at the right time. Elsewhere, pr- home prices may have recovered from the mortgage lending debacle of 2000, the 2000s. But millions of people who lived through the mess still have a long, 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 long way to go. There's a new report that came out um, that basically looked at, gave us a glimpse at what has happened to the U.S. population's housing and credit status since the turn of the century. There's a group of about 19 million renters who at some point in the past 16 years used to be homeowners. But for various reasons, such as moving uh, for a job or downsizing for retirement, they lost their homes because of unaffordable loans, the housing bust, the subsequent economic slump. Uh, a lot of mostly middle-aged uh, people who have had foreclosures and other black marks on their credit. There's 19 million Americans who can't get back into a home. So take that for what it's worth. Let's talk a little but it's worth a lot, to be quite honest with you. It tells you that there's a lot of risk in real estate and people that are trying to put you in homes in Dallas and people who are trying to tell you, like, real estate's the greatest thing ever since. They, they don't understand the, the complexities of everyone's scenarios and how they can play out. Let's talk a little real estate with Tony Mendez, Bay Area Loan Source. Tony Mendez. Joining me now. Mortgage lender from BayAreaLoanSource.com. It's BayAreaLoanSource.com. He's the guy who does my mortgages, Tony Mendez. Tony Mendez, let's talk a little rental properties. Hey, Rob. Hello? Rental properties. What's the word mean to you or the words mean to you? Investment property. And I think that's something that you, it, that should be the first thing that you think about. Investment. You're getting a rate of return on what you're putting into the property. So okay. you, you come up with a down payment. You put it in the buy the property. You get some good tax benefits, some interest, mortgage interest deductions, and then you have what's left over, and in, that's your cash flow. In your world of lending, who comes to you that's looking for investment property or rental property? There's a lot of different people. Uh, oh. We have you know the, the husband and wife that are looking for a second home, um, and they say, you know what, we're going to buy this as an investment property for a while, and then maybe retire in it or something like that. And then we have some people who just want to have extra money, and they want to buy some rental property because. It's something maybe their parents have done. Um, a lot of people that are in rental properties now are people who have experienced that through either family members or f- friends, uh, and they get exposure that way. I live in part of 
the Bay Area that I would not buy homes as rental properties, but I would buy apartments as rental properties. Right. Um, I have a differentiation in my head. I don't think my home, I'll be honest with you, I don't think it's going to appreciate in the next 10 years unless I see some really big wage inflation across the upper middle class and the lower upper class. And right now, that's just not working out that way. Multifamily was a one of the reasons we saw new home sales go up. It was really, not new home sales, I'm sorry, construction. Right. And it was leading the way. We had 60% of new home construction was multifamily units because of the pure fact that rents were rising and there was a demand for this type of product. That's why over the last few years, we saw a lot of almost 30 to 35% of properties bought in the Bay Area were cash. Okay. Cash properties. And it's still like that right now because people are buying not only distressed properties, but they're buying rental units because rents are so strong here. Something that I find sick and vile are real estate clubs because they're kind of luring in the average person saying, you too can buy real estate just like Donald Trump. And it's maybe not that much of a sales pitch or maybe not that glossy, but I find them kind of vile. And I saw in 2004, 2005, 2006, a A lot of people join these things trying to get wealthy and not having enough money to understand that it's an investment, and you're investing in the income that comes out of it, you're not investing in the potential appreciation of the property. And a lot of those ended up as private REITs as well, uh, where the people who are making more of the money with the people who are actually getting the transaction. Right. um, So what you're saying there, sometimes you'll hear about people that advertise clubs and scenarios, and they'll say, I'll buy property for you, and they'll do... And help you get the loan and, and so on. And, and management fees, et cetera. So it's, there are going to be a lot more of these types of advertisements and incitements to get into this into the real estate business as equities increase. Here in the Bay Area, prices are going back up. So that's skewing really towards, um, I, don't want to say, I don't even know how to say this, but a lot of individuals want to own individual properties. And then some individuals want to help fund bigger projects and become a master limited partner. And I hate that. I would rather you own publicly traded REITs where you own it. Tony Mendez owns that property. He may own one one millionth of it, but he's not writing a check to a developer. He's not writing a check. And I know why you say that, because you hear a lot more horror stories than I do. You work with people on an individual basis, and you also have – you hear these horror stories. I, on the other hand, would say, you know what, I would deal with actually people who are successful at – buying rental properties, buying multi-unit properties, and managing them well and getting positive cash flows. If so, they're getting positive cash flows, and right. if, if they're not expecting appreciation, but it's, I agree. It's because I, I work with, and it's going to sound corny, but I work with people that have CFPs or CPAs, <laughs> yeah. and they, they actually corny. have some people that are guiding them in the right way instead of going to these kind of groups and, and feeling like they're, that it, they're just following a trend. I think if you think someone's like a real estate guru or someone has like... If, there was a guy... He owns a company in the Bay Area that he was selling property in the desert in a city that has no waterworks, that has no pipes, selling property that has no water tied towards it, Aqueduct City, um, that has no aqueduct. Mm -hmm. And people buy it thinking it's the next big thing. If you're buying the next big thing, you're probably taking a lot of risk. Now, San Luis Obispo, maybe they're the next big thing in the wine country. Maybe all that property down there will work out but they have to have water. So I'm, you have to calculate some of your risks in these scenarios, right? Yes, you certainly do. So real quick, what does the person, what would you want to see who's looking for rental investments? Um, somebody who can, it's extra money for them okay. to spend. Um, I had somebody call me the other day, said I have about 
$50,000 I want to put in investment property. And we got through the whole you know, qualifying process, and, and they didn't have any other money. They had some 401k, but they didn't have the ability to continue funding that if they used their this money up and factoring the, the risk involved. You don't always get rents on a monthly basis. So That's mortgage lender Tony Mendez with BayAreaLoanSource.com. So pending sales of U.S. existing homes increased by the most in a year, which is nice. Existing homes, someone lives in it already, right? It's not brand new. It's not brand new. Fresh banking, no, it's it's someone lives there. So contracts just came out. No, no, it just came out. But data just came out that said contracts to purchase previously owned homes rebounded more than forecast in February. That's a good sign as the spring selling season approaches. Now, real estate, and you've heard this before, but it's true. It's really local, local, local. Um, or location, location, location. There's no inventory on the you know, coastal cities of California. But there's a lot of inventory further in. The pending home sales index climbed 3.5%, the biggest gain in a year after 3% decrease a month earlier. Um, Americans basically have better employment prospects right now, 4.9% unemployment. A little bit of wage inflation, a little bit of savings going on there. Fewer firings. People are like, let's go buy real estate. Men, 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 and they want to buy real estate. Improving demand may encourage current owners to put their properties on the market, which would help expand inventories and provide an additional lift for the industry. But it's really, again, about location, location, location. You know, I think the key for sustained momentum and more sales than last spring is a continuous stream of new listings quickly replacing what's being scooped up by a growing pool of buyers. Um, this housing market is different than the last housing market. The last housing market had a lot, way too much, uh, back in 2006 when it crashed, had way, 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 uh, too much credit out there. Um, this housing market doesn't have enough homes. So you're seeing National Association of Realtors saying, you know, home builders, go make more homes. Last one had too many homes. So it's going to be interesting to see, uh, Things never play out the way you want them to, or things never play out in, um, in conventional wisdom? Yes. So you can find me online at 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Get your calls on the air. Uh, find me at, online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. And we can talk real estate, we can talk investing, we can talk markets, whatever's good with you.
Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. I do appreciate it. Let's go to a caller, Catherine. Catherine, how are you? Hi, Rob. I'm fine. Thank you. I have a question for you. Okay. I'm a 70-year-old woman. I'm still working full-time, but I do plan to retire in the next few months. I have a defined benefit plan from my company. It was frozen years ago, but when I leave, I will have the choice of taking a monthly annuity for life of about $460 or a cash payout of 61558 Now, I was set to take the monthly annuity because... It could last forever, but I recently found out I had some health problems, so my life might be um, shortened, <laughs> and um, roughly maybe maybe I'll have eight years left. And I'm wondering, is it more advantageous, advantageous to take the lump sum, invest it, pay my uh, financial planner a 1% management fee, and um, take the Yearly RMD for this year, it would be approximately sure. 23.30. Or do I take the monthly payout? A lot of questions there. You say you're roughly 70. Yes. You should probably first and foremost, since you have a financial planner, is it a CFP that you deal with? Yes. Okay, a CFP is going to be someone who's way better prepared than myself to answer this for you. I work with people like CFP Chad Burton because this is kind of a nerdy question and you hit a lot of the right questions. So you're a really, really smart financial person, Catherine. You, you know what you're thinking here. Um, what sort of health sentence or what sort of health statement did you find out about? Well, it, I mean, eventually it will be terminal. However, okay. it was just at, by accident that I found out I had this disease. It's not going to get better. It's going to be progressively worse. However, okay. I'm pretty active, so I've been um, amazing the doctors that I'm doing as well at this point as I am. But eventually okay. it's going to kept, catch up with me. Now, I have two adult children, and their feeling is, Mom, do whatever works for you. Don't worry about us. If a monthly yeah. annuity is going to work better, take it. So yeah, I wouldn't really listen. I wouldn't really listen to your children on financial planning issues. Like I said, the best person for this is a CFP. Let your talk to your children about: Do they need money? Do they need inheritance? Because that could affect your decision. Well, um, but one more importantly, does and one is doing fine. So outside of the, Outside of this annuity that you have or outside this pension that you could either annuitize and take monthly payments or outside this pension that you could take a lump sum, do you have enough to live off of essentially till the day you die? And let's say you live another 10, 15 years. I would say yes. My portfolio okay. is over a million dollars. And okay. um, I've done the cash flow analysis. So Good. Probably it'll take me to 99. Perfect. Longer um, if I'm more frugal. Then my guess, or as you would say, you know, 
I would say that you're likely should be leaning towards taking a lump sum if you think your health can go bad. Usually in this scenario, people don't have that variable that they know their health can go bad. But sometimes they have the variable of like my parents died young or my parents lived really a long time. Um, I dealt with an issue this weekend where a husband had to put his wife into a nursing facility because he could no longer take care of her. And yet she's got good enough health that she can live a long time, but she needs the nursing facility. So I would sit down with your financial planner, but if you have enough that you feel comfortable with your current budget that you could live till 99, you might want to take the lump sum uh, because that may mean there's more left over for your children or more left for the current consumption where you can say, you know what, my health is going to go bad. And, you know, these next three or four years, I should be spending with my children and my grandchildren and I should probably be spending a little bit more money um, because you can't take it with you, but you can give experiences to your children and their children uh, that are priceless. Um, and again, if your children need the inheritance, there's some issues there. Um, or if you just want to be generous and give them a little something to go get a nice car or um, pay for your kid's college. I mean, that's, in it, that's a legacy that's pretty awesome um, if there's any grandchildren out there. So I, I think you just have the conversation with your financial planner, but leaning towards without knowing your health and without knowing your budget and without knowing um, longevity in your family. Um, and some, you know, diseases are more terminal than others. Uh, you know, my mom has Alzheimer's and she's, you know, she can linger another 10, 15 years. Um, and it'll be very expensive 10 or 15 years uh, because that's when you not only can do nothing for yourself, physically, but you can do nothing for yourself mentally, and you almost have to have a guard. Uh, but with that said, I, I think that's a great call, and congratulations. You've lived a good life. It sounds like you've um, kicked out some good kids, and uh, you're certainly not hurting in retirement, which is you know everyone's goal. So thanks for the call. It's a complex question that she asks, and what is the internal rate of return on the annuity? She has a pension that, she, let's say she worked for the government, that she could annuitize. Um and I may have missed a phrase that she said, and that that would impact the financial you know decision. But it sounds like she's pretty w on top of it, and I would highly recommend sitting down with a financial planner at this point in time. And he could run the scenarios where he'll say, okay, you're 70. If you live till 77, you should have taken the pension. Uh, if you live till 78, you should have annuitized it. So the first one, if you live to 77, you should have taking the lumps out. If you live in 78, you should have annuitized it. Or if you live to 90, you should have annuitized it. And then you're just a little bit more informed. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.